The opinions voiced in this program are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, and financial advisor or tax advisor prior to investing. Securities offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA SIPC. Investment advice offered through Northwest Quadrant Wealth Management, a registered investment advisor and separate entity from LPL Financial. Welcome back to Financial Focus Radio Show on our Northwest Network. Northwest Quadrant Wealth Management has offices in Bend, Eugene, and John Day, serving clients from all over the Northwest. Give us a call today for your free retirement review. Now, back to the show. Thanks for joining us on Financial Focus Radio. My name is Tyler Simonis, and that fella over there who's watching the the Arsenal game, Liverpool, is Josh Spicoli-Finelli. And we are partners at Northwest Quadrant Wealth Management here in the Great Pacific Northwest. We appreciate you spending some of your soggy weekend with us. Maybe you've started a fire, and I I, uh, I, I started a fire to make sure there were no raccoons in my chimney last week. <laughs> Good news, there weren't. It's going to smoke them out. But, uh, yeah, it's that time of year. I need to go get some firewood. Well, and we got the ducks later. Oh, Going six and one. The Pac-12 has just really messed it all up this year. And any give, having any chance of being relevant in the playoffs, the Ducks. They, I don't know, they, something about the coaching staffs in the Pac-12, like that doofus at UCLA. I know he's a New Hampshire guy just like me, but what is that guy's deal? Chip, come on. Yeah. Well, I mean, we need a little Saban action and less Chip Kelly action. And I don't know what that Mario Cristobal's deal is. He's just kind of a meathead. <laughs> he is such a meathead. It's it's pretty funny. That's what you that's what you get when you have an offensive line. No offense to any offensive lineman out there, but that's what you get when you have an offensive lineman as a head coach. You just keep running the ball when you shouldn't. Jonathan Smith just win a couple more games, and you can actually go to a school that can win. <laughs> nice. Uh, this comes from Lizanne Saunders at Charles Schwab. This is pretty interesting data, um, and this um, obviously goes back to why we believe indexing is such a powerful force uh, for all of you out there, and it's so easy to do. So more than 90% of the S&P 500 and NASDAQ has, the individual stocks in the S&P 500 or NASDAQ have had at least a 10% drawdown this year. So if you look at at least 90% of the stocks that make up the S&P 500 or the NASDAQ, at least 90% of those stocks have had a 10% drawdown, with the average being a 18% negative return for the S&P and a negative 38% retur- negative return for the NASDAQ. So if you look at how the indexes are doing, the indexes are f- killing it, having a great year, you know, double-digit teen year. S&P's up a bunch, NASDAQ's up a bunch, having a really good year. But if you look under the covers and you look at the average stock in in those indexes, it's really not good. I mean, you look at what happened with Snap on Friday. They reported earnings on Thursday, and you look at their stock down 25% on Friday morning. Um, that's just, you know, you're, you're, there's, you're smart. There's a lot of you out there that are very smart and very capable at what you do. But trying to beat an index over time in a tax-efficient way is a loser's game. And it's not just my opinion. It's based on SPIVA data. And we hear all the time uh, from our custodian, our compliance department, and uh, the asset managers of the world that, you know, active management does better in down markets, and that's why you pay them. It's all BS. The SPIVA data, the S&P 500 data that looks at the performance of indexing versus active managers, it's overwhelmingly compelling that active managers are not going to win over time. There oh. are, of course, a few outliers, but you're not going to pick them over time consistently. And those ones that do beat consistently over time, they do it in a much more volatile way. And so they're very hard to own. They go down more when markets are down and up more when markets are up, which creates more volatility, and when those down years happen, it's very hard for most of you to stick it. The stick interesting with it. thing is that the you hear this common refrain uh, from you know people that are on CNBC or Bloomberg or whatever it is, and it, it's a, a quote stock pickers market is usually what they'll say. And the, the irony of that is that it's actually not a stock pickers market, and that's the point. And their argument is self defeating. And, uh, and yeah, but how would they have a business if they didn't? <laughs> 
Yeah, it's uh, you know the S and P five hundred is up twenty one percent year to date, and <laughs> the average the, the average stock is down eighteen percent or had an eighteen percent drawdown. Yeah, and you know, and the data March is a March of twenty twenty prime example quote stock pickers market. You know, the average <laughs> stock picker dramatically underperformed uh, the index in twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one, and that is because it is so difficult to do it sustainably net of your fee. And it's just uh, indexing, you know, is irrefutable in our eyes. And uh, Based on the data. Let's yep. kick off a Financial Focus University. <clears throat> All right. Today we thought we would talk about the redheaded stepchild of the stock market, and that is mid-cap stocks. When we do our free retirement view, uh, reviews, we never see explicit mid-cap exposure in portfolios. Now, of course, we have explicit mid-cap exposure in our client portfolios, but when people bring in their statements, we never see a, a mid-cap fund. Now, obviously, if you own an index, a, a market cap weighted index, you have mid-cap stocks in there, but we have explicit mid-cap stocks. We've, so, Josh, explain first, what is a mid-cap stock? What is it, where does it range? And then give some examples. Well, we, we've seen an increasing number of uh, allocations to small caps, and I think that narrative has really uh, taken hold Thanks after the outperformance. Um, and, you know, the genesis of this segment was uh, actually um, mailing from Alger Funds uh, that identified sort of a, a fact that, you know, mid-cap as it relates to the entire... Uh, market cap weighting of U.S. equity markets is somewhere around just north of 20%. But in terms of actual portfolio exposure uh, for individual investors, it's like less than 12%. Uh, so it's, you know, the Alger mailing was sort of, you know, their research indicated that it's just a really under-owned asset class. And, you know, the S&P's data demonstrates that uh, mid-caps so explain what what were they what is it what is it depending on stock? your definition of index provider you know it's a five to twenty billion dollar market cap uh, position um, you know so and this we use this adage a lot but you know you drive down West Eleventh Street in Eugene or Third Street in Bend and uh, it's a lot of those names that are nationally traded businesses some of the fast food companies. Um, uh, you know these are names that are ubiquitous across Household America. Names. Yeah, and they're you know, but they're not the mega caps that you identify of when you think of the S and P five hundred that you know trade now in the hundred billion plus market cap range. But uh, these are names that are throughout the United States, and their revenue weighting comes primarily domestically, but they have a little bit more of an international revenue weighting exposure than say the small caps that you know are highly levered to the performance of the dollar, but uh, mid-cap companies, and this is from S&P data, but they demonstrate not as much upside uh, as small caps historically, but uh, because, you know, they're not growing quite as fast, but they have better resiliency in downturns. Uh, they don't quite have experienced the same drawdowns as the headline indices because uh, they're more stable businesses. But more importantly, uh, they actually bounce back faster uh, from corrections. And so, they're an, an asset class that is particularly appropriate for retirees because uh, they offer those stability characteristics, less of a drawdown, more of a bounce back. So they're, so the magic word in the investment business and on our world when we're asset allocating is risk-adjusted returns. And the risk-adjusted returns of mid-cap stocks are some of the best of any capitalization stocks because you know, they do really well, but they don't have the same volatility. They do almost the same type returns that small caps do. Uh, they come back sooner usually, but they also don't have the same downside characteristics. And so, like Josh said, if you're a retiree and you say, I want a little more juice or a little more alpha in my portfolio, but I don't necessarily want to have a ton of allocation to small cap, mid caps are a great place to look. They're a good diversifier. Um, and and here we're here to tell you that not only does the data from Algiers show that these are way under owned in retail investors' portfolios, anecdotally, we can tell you that when we do free retirement views uh, and people bring their statements in, we never see somebody with an explicit mid-cap exposure in their portfolio. Now, it's an absolute exposure in our client portfolios. You know, de depending on the portfolio we have somebody in, it's, you know, can be up to 15, 16, 18% of somebody's portfolio. And it's a return driver, and we really like its risk return characteristics. So there's a good chance that if you're listening right now, you don't have mid-cap exposure. We think that you should have it. Most of, you, most of you out there don't have any explicit exposure down the market cap spectrum, whether it be mid-cap or small cap. Um, some of you, like Josh said, have, have included small cap, but almost none of you own mid-cap. 
and we definitely think it's an asset class worth taking a look at. All right, if you want to sign up for our e-newsletter, we do a short five- or six-minute video in the middle of the end of the month. Go to our website to get signed up for that, northwestquadrantwalt.com. A little box will pop up, and you can put your email address in there. When we come back, we're going to talk about charitable giving from your IRA. Stick around. Get your free one-hour retirement review. Meet with the Northwest Quadrant Wealth Management Investment Advisor today for free. It's our offer to you as a listener to the show. Give us a call today to schedule your portfolio review. 800-743-0988. Again, 800-743-0988. If you do business in Bend, we should talk. T-Mobile for Business is helping small businesses unlock more opportunity with unlimited plans built for business on America's largest 5G network, starting at $25 per line. Plus, right now, get Facebook advertising on us. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash small business. Customers using over 50 gigs a month may notice reduced speeds due to prioritization. Video at 480p for business unlimited select with six plus lines with auto pay plus taxes and fees. Facebook offer via $200 virtual prepay card when switching with three new lines. C5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Hi, I'm John Bullock, Executive Director of the Redmond Proficiency Academy, and I'd like to invite you to consider what you need from your school. It's important to have access to your education wherever you are. We've created RPA Anywhere for just that purpose. Our students can combine on-site and distance learning to create a schedule that works for their individual needs. Maybe you need to get back up to speed academically, or maybe you're ready to push yourself and excel in college-style courses. Maybe you live outside Redmond. RPA contracts with Cascades East Transit so students can ride the bus to school. It's our pleasure to get you from where you are, geographically or academically, to where you want to be. With our mid-year transfer program, you can still make the most of this year's school experience while playing sports in your home district. We'll handle all the details. If RPA sounds like a good fit, visit rpacademy.org to apply. That's rpacademy.org. Freedom to be yourself, support to try new things, and guidance as you plan for your future. RPA, education as unique as you are. Fall is coming, and Finn and Fire in Redmond has been looking forward to it after a long, hot summer. They have the gear you need to move from the rivers and lakes to the trails and forests. Finn and Fire is the largest Sitka dealer on the West Coast. Sitka uses state-of-the-art technology and fabrics to make your valuable time in the woods more productive. Whether it's breathable base layers or insulation, Sitka makes gear for every kind of hunt. Italian-made crispy boots are getting rave reviews from hunters across Oregon. Crispy boots are in stock at Fin and Fire, and they have a great selection for men and women. Crispy uses Gore-Tex liners and Vibram soles, so you know they'll keep your feet dry and comfortable for those long days on the trail. Don't forget to pick up a new Benchmade hunting knife this year and check out one of the new Mystery Ranch backpacks. Finn and Fire, a fly shop unlike any other. Across from Safeway on Highway 97 in Redmond. Hi, this is Leslie James, and I want to tell you about my friends at OsteoStrong who helped me tackle my osteoporosis. Did you know that one in two women over the age of 50 will break a bone due to osteoporosis? And a man over 50 is more likely to break a bone due to osteoporosis than he is to get prostate cancer. OsteoStrong can not only increase your bone density, but you'll discover better balance, better strength, better posture, and so much more. Discover how 10 minutes one day a week could change your life. Be better. Call Osteo Strong today. Financial Focus Radio Show is online all the time via iTunes, Spotify, and Spreaker. Catch past shows online or by downloading the Financial Focus app. Welcome back. Thanks for joining us this weekend on Financial Focus Radio. We appreciate you spending some of your weekend with us. If you'd like to take us up on a free retirement review, one of us will give you an hour of our time to talk about anything in your financial life. Call our office to get that scheduled, 800-743-0988, or go to our website, northwestquadrantwealth.com, and send us an email. Just let us know you'd like a free retirement review, and they'll get you on 
the calendar. So obviously during the pandemic when restaurants were closed, uh, the old school advisor marketing strategy of the dinner, sorry, dinner seminar uh, wasn't happening. But I noticed um, there's a woman here uh, in Bend, uh, and I'm, I'm sure they're happening everywhere, that uh, has started to schedule the dinner seminar again. And they in Bend, they have them at different places, uh, Ten Below or Pronghorn, or, you know, fancy restaurants, expensive restaurants. Uh, I'm sure they have them in Eugene. Uh, or, and I'm not sure they have them in John Day. But, um, you know, this is a financial advisor sending all, out all these ma- mailers, inviting people to dinner, and they're going to buy you dinner. So I... I don't remember a time other than my wedding when I bought more than 30 people dinner, but I actually knew the people I at my wedding, or most of them at least. And so, I mean, I, I don't know why you think that this person is just there to educate you after spending thousands of dollars to buy you dinner. Of course, they're trying to sell you something, and most of the time, these dinner seminars, these educational seminars are a product pitch. So Uh, I'm not saying don't go. You can go if you want and have dinner on that advisor, uh, but just keep your wallet in the car. In addition to that, though, and this is, I think, the more powerful component of, you know, the subliminal hack of the dinner seminar is the reciprocity principle and how uh, humans feel obligated to reciprocate when something, someone gives them something. And that's, it's such a good, powerful play on that. And it's, uh, that's just be cognizant of the recipro- of the reciprocity principle, and that that's ultimately why why it's being uh, purveyed to you. And, and you might go into the dinner center and like, I'm not going to do anything here. This is I'm just going to go have the free dinner. You have this ingrained. Uh, it's in your brain. Yeah, it's it's just like your your reptile brain is like, oh, they gave me something, I have to give it back. And, and so, that's... and it's not that you're necessarily going to, the, the next step after the dinner seminar is that they try to schedule a follow-up meeting for you to come to their office for them to come see you. And and that's the thing you're most likely to, to accept. Uh, and then the, that's when they actually specifically pitch you on a product. And what I would tell you is, it's a it's a well uh, orchestrated system that they have um, to get you to to, to to you know feel guilty because they bought you a, a fifty dollar dinner or whatever it was and they seem really friendly and obviously they're salespeople so they're going to be very good at it um, and then the products that they're going to pitch you at this event or when they come and follow up are going to sound like the greatest investment in history history of the world like wait a minute I can get market returns without any downside and I get guarantees of six whatever percent. Um, and I would just tell you that in the investment business, if something sounds too good to be true, it almost always is. And, you know, I, here's what I tell you. War, the Warren Buffetts of the world are not buying these products that these people are selling because the only people that these products are good for are the people selling them and the insurance companies that issue them. So be very careful. All right. This comes from Congress. Uh, on Thursday, October 14th, uh, President Biden signed a debt ceiling bill that added $480 billion to our existing debt ceiling. Bring the debt limit to $28.9 trillion. Current projections have Congress breaching the new limit on Friday, the 3rd of December, less than six weeks away. Obviously, the actual date is not known because we don't know how much they're going to be spending. Uh, and so, you, you know, the, the the other side of the aisle right now uh, that doesn't want to write the de- or use they want to use the debt ceiling as a political uh, pawn to try to get what they want. But. The problem is raising the debt ceiling has to happen because of the money that was already spent under the previous administration. So it's not new spending that it's being raised for. It's, it, this money was already spent. So, um, you know, we, we've more Republican administrations have raised the debt ceiling than Democratic. So don't think it's a Democrat versus Republican thing. And quite frankly, both sides of the aisle have no spending limits on anything. Yeah, posture, they just pretend to. Posturing is fiscally conservative after the profligate spending of of last year is just sort of it's a joke. Uh, you know, how do you? There is no such thing as fiscal conservatism in Washington. Only when it's politically expedient. Unless, I mean, I give Joe Manchin credit. He, he you know, he he is at least the one grown up in the room that is at least talking about it. Yeah. All right, let's talk about qualified charitable distributions. Doesn't that sound so exciting? So one of the things that it's it's the time of year, of course, right, when charitable giving happens. End of the year, that's when people start to think about it. I was on the board of a charity, so I always was sweating uh, sweating our budget until the third to, to the uh, November December when most of our money came in. Um, and so it's that time of year when. 
a lot of you are having to take your required minimum distributions. Those have started to happen again. You didn't have to take them last year, but you have to take them this year. And so a lot of you say to us like, well, man, we don't need, I don't need the money from my IRA. Um, and so, you know, but you guess what? You still have to take it and you have to pay taxes. Well, one way around that is if you are uh, charitably inclined, meaning you give to charities, is if you have that money go directly from your retirement account to a 501c3 charity, it has to be a qualified charity, then you don't have to pay taxes on that. It won't be counted as income. And so, you know, it's it's always amazing to me when I when I see um, people, and these aren't our clients generally, but I see people giving money that they've already paid taxes on. So they have money in a bank account. Let's say they say, oh, I'm going to give to my church 10 grand or I'm going to give to this charity, United Way, whatever it might be. Uh, 10,000 bucks. And it, and it's money that they have in their bank account that they've already paid taxes on. But then they're also in the stage of life where they're having to take money from their IRA, their required minimum distribution. And so then they pay taxes on that distribution when obviously they could save themselves a ton of money by directly uh, sending that money from their IRA. So it's called a qualified charitable distribution. You can talk to your CPA and your advisor about it. Um, but if you're in the RMD stage of life and you have to take money out of your IRA, uh, one way you can minimize or reduce your tax liability is by doing one of these qualified charitable distributions. But the important point is it has to be a 501c3 charity. It has to be a qualified charity. And then second, the money has to go directly from your IRA directly to the charity's account. You can't get your hands on it. That disqualifies it. So that's those are the two very important things. The other thing that you can think about, and this is uh, more prevalent, especially with the run-up we've seen in the stock market, especially if you might be working in the tech side of the world, uh, is you can donate highly appreciated stocks. So you might have a taxable account. You might have been getting restricted stock units or options from your company, and you're also charitably inclined. Well, um, instead of selling that stock and paying the gains on that, what you can do is just donate those shares directly to a charity uh, and then uh, because it's a 501c3 charity, they can sell those shares immediately, which is what they end up doing. And then no tax liability is owed. And guess what? Depending on your tax situation, you also might get a tax deduction. We've we've had clients that have actually gifted appreciated stock to a donor advised fund. And, uh, you know, they've retained control over it in the sense that they get to pick uh you know, different charities that are recipients of those funds, too. So there's different options. And, you know, if that's a situation you want to explore, definitely give us a ring. So, yeah, it's that time of year when, um, you know, charities, uh, you're giving money to charities. But we know that there's much more tax efficient ways that you can go about doing it. The charities don't care because they sell the money right away. They don't have any tax liability. But you can help yourself out a lot if you fall into one of these categories. If you want, if you want us to take a look or, or talk to you about if you fall in one of these categories uh, and you want a free retirement review, we can look at that for you. Call the office to get that scheduled, 800-743-0988. Go to our website, northwestquadrantwallet.com, and send us an email. When we come back, we're going to talk about titling your accounts and beneficiary designations, so stick around. Sign up for our e-news today. Get the latest thoughts on the market every other week from Northwest Quadrant Wealth Management, delivered right to your inbox. The short five- to six-minute video helps you keep up with the market trends. You can always watch past videos on northwestquadrantwealth.com. chronic joint pain not having success with steroids but trying to avoid surgery thankfully there's a better way and it's now available here from medical professionals at qc kinetics it's lars i'm talking about new therapies advanced all-natural regenerative treatments that can not only give you relief but also restore and repair damaged tissue so you can have lasting relief 
If you've got joint pain due to arthritis, knee pain, hip pain, shoulder pain, don't think that the old ways of dealing with that pain are the only ways. You need to learn more about these new biologic therapy solutions. Call now for a free consultation. QC Kinetics, 541-215-8840. These remarkable new treatments increase mobility, decrease your pain, and help restore tissue. They actually encourage your body to heal itself. Call now and learn more about these restorative, regenerative, and revolutionary alternatives. Don't wait. QC Kinetics, 541-215-8840. That's 541-215-8840. In today's expensive real estate market, it's easy to wind up paying too much for a place to live. That's why Alpine Meadows Townhomes is a smart move. They have washer-dryers in the two- and three-bedroom units, designer kitchens that please, one-, two-, or three-bedrooms, and approved pets allowed. They're more affordable than all those brand-new townhomes. Google Alpine Meadows Townhomes on Northeast 6th and Bed. Professionally managed by Norris and Stevens. There's an easier place to find affordable housing in Bend. Discover Mountain Glen Apartments and make them your comfortable home. Mountain Glen Apartments are conveniently located with washers, dryers in their two- and three-bedroom units and designer kitchens. You can pay more, but you cannot get more value than at Mountain Glen Apartments on the corner of Butler Market and Boyd Acres Road. To learn more, Google Mountain Glen Apartments. Professionally managed by Norris and Stevens. Auto Network Group is stocked up and ready for winter with the pre-owned SUVs you want at below market prices. We just received over 30 different 2018 to 2019 four-wheel drive and all-wheel drive SUVs with more and more added daily in all years and models. And our easy financing options will get you into the SUV you want. Auto Network Group on Robo Lane behind Target and at angbend.com. Hey, this is DJ SuperSave with an incredible app everyone who buys gas needs to know about. Get Upside. My listeners are making up to 25 cents for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free Get Upside app in the App Store or Google Play right now. Use promo code LOCK and get a bonus 25 cents per gallon on your first fill up. That's up to 50 cents cash back. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Get cash back using Get Upside. Just download the app for free and Use promo code LOCK to get up to 50 cents a gallon cash back on your first tank. Some people who drive a lot are making as much as two to $300 a month in cash back, and there's no catch. The cash back gets added right to your account. You can cash out anytime to your bank account, PayPal, or an e-gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free GetUpside app and use promo code LOCK to get up to 50 cents a gallon cash back on your first tank. That's code LOCK. The mission is clear. Give transparent wealth building advice every week. No sugarcoating, just down to earth real market happenings that you can use today. Make sure you follow us on YouTube and get our twice monthly e newsletter. If you want to sign up for that newsletter, we do one on the 15th and the 30th of the month. Uh, go to our website, northwestquadrantwall.com. A little box will pop up. So just add your email address in there and just say, add me to your e-newsletter list. And that's the only thing that we will send you. This was pretty crazy. Um, so obviously, Elon Musk is a wealthy fellow. He's the richest man. You know, him and Jeff Bezos go back and forth and the richest guy on the planet. But Elon Musk's net worth is now higher than the market cap of all but 25 public companies, meaning his net worth is more than all but just 25 companies in the, in the United States, which is mind-boggling to think about. Let's think about this for a second. What did he do? He created an electric car company. It's a car company. Like, the car business is awful. Cause, so what, what, when you think about investing dollars, right, you, you want to, you, you know, you, you're trying to pay a certain amount of money for growth out into the future, hopefully getting more back. But what you don't want to have to do is lay out tons of capital for crappy returns out in the future, which is what, I mean, so if you, the airline business is another good example. There, there's been unbelievable growth in the U.S. airlines business, which has been great for the American consumer, but it's been an awful deal 
for investors in airlines. They've never earned their cost of capital over their existence. So as Warren Buffett has famously said, Orbel and Wilbur Wright should have been shot down at Kitty Hawk because it's been a bad business as an, from an investor standpoint. The car company also has been a bad, the car business has been a bad business in the United States. There, there used to be 362 car companies in the United States and all but one of them, Ford Motor Company, have gone bankrupt. There's only really three car companies left, four, I guess, if you count Tesla. Um, and so it's not really a growing business in a meaningful way. But the market in this crazy time that we live in has assigned this unbelievable market cap to a car company. Let's, I mean, everybody wants to talk about Tesla and all the different things, but at the end of the day, they're a car company, right? No, no, they're a distributed energy company. Oh, my God. So... <laughs> But, you know, so it's it's crazy. I mean, I, I don't blame Elon Musk. I mean, he's brilliant. I mean, essentially. He's the greatest hype man 20 ever. months ago uh, or 18 months ago, uh, Tesla was very close to being insolvent and not being in business. The market rewarding them and giving them a big market cap allowed Tesla to go to the market and issue a ton more share, you know, billions and billions and billions of dollars worth of more shares in the market, thereby diluting shareholders. Shareholders could have cared less, and that's how they were able to stay in business it's, and will probably like, make it. It's like the opposite of Amazon, where Amazon was just reinvesting into you know a, their business and employing capital expenditure. Well, but they were reinvesting into their business because profitable. they had high returns. They, they had high returns on invested capital, but they also had cash flow to do it. But Tesla didn't have the cash flow to do it. No, they just took a... You know what's really just a non-viable business, and but the idea that Tesla and Amazon are similar businesses no, they're, they're is laughable. Not. No, I know, but I, I know you know that. But most people out there think they're both technology companies. Well, well you, not really. Uh, you know, I talk to people, and I think it's a, a lot of people out there have never taken managerial accounting. But, but if you give a dollar to Jeff Bezos, <laughs> and you give a dollar to to Elon Musk, and you say yeah, yeah. reinvest this dollar in your business. The return on the invested capital at Amazon is crazy. The return on the dollar at Tesla is a joke. Yeah. Well, Yet no retail investors understand that in the least. And they're going to tell me that it's it's not really a car company? Like, well, okay, well, then what is it? It's my, my karma ran over your dogma. Yeah. That's a good one. <laughs> Do you remember that bumper sticker? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, all right, real quick, too. Um, U.S. companies have announced record levels of share buybacks as confidence recovers. After a lull at the height of the coronavirus pandemic, business have authorized more than $870 billion of stock repurchases this year. The rebound suggests that corporate America is now flush with cash and, and looking ways for use it. Here's the one thing I'd say about buybacks. It, you know, if, it, if a company is not issuing shares or RSUs and they're literally just buying their stock back and they're not also. So a lot of what a lot of technology companies are doing is they're they're buying their stock back in the front door, but they're issuing more shares, the equivalent amount out the back door they, to the they, employees. They have to do a lot of buybacks yeah, to, to, stay, to counteract the dilutive yeah. influence of RSU. So buybacks are not always a good thing. Now, if you own, like when Warren Buffett does buybacks, he is literally shrinking the share count because he's not issuing more shares. So in Buffett's case, Berkshire Hathaway's case, it is good for you as a shareholder because obviously if they buy back stock into the treasury of Berkshire Hathaway, you become a greater owner of their earnings or a greater owner of their stock because there are less stock outstanding. But it's not always, you know, they talk about, oh, look at all these buybacks. It's not always as great as it seems because big tech companies issue so many RSUs. Uh, restricted stock units to their employees as, as a, most of their compensation. I mean, my sister-in-law works for Google. 70% of her compensation is RSUs. That doesn't cost Google any money from a cash flow standpoint. They're just issuing those shares of stock to her. And so they have to buy the equivalent amount in the market just to stay even. So it's not always as good as it seems. All right, let's talk about account titling and, uh, and assigning beneficiary designations. Now, this is something that it doesn't seem or there's a lot of mistakes that are made quite often, and Josh and I see them um, where the intent is good, right? So, so you know, you, as a parent or grandparent uh, or husband or wife, the intent in this situation is good is to make uh, if something were to happen to you, you're passing away, you know, your beneficiary is inheriting it. Uh, easily, the intent is, is there. But oftentimes we see huge mistakes. And so, Josh, why don't you talk about the mistakes that we see and, and why people really need to avoid this? Well, the mistake I've seen actually a couple uh, instances over over the last month or so, uh, one over at our Eugene office, one here in Bend, is just uh, clients that 
got added into a bank account for you know their elderly parents um, with a pretty significant cash pile. Added as a joint owner. Yeah, added as a joint owner to the bank account, and you know as a result of required distributions and you know their savings rate, um, mostly octogenarians are you know there's significant balances in these uh, checking accounts and savings accounts, and as a joint owner, you know, and these aren't held in trust, so uh, you know they're just. When that uh, octogenarian passes away, uh, and this is usually the two instances I've seen have been multi-sibling families, and one sibling, you know, typically the one that is more involved, uh, is added on. They're going to become the owner of that account uh, when uh, that octogenarian passes away, and you know the the intention of the will is actually for the uh, the siblings to split the money, but it's going to ultimately be a taxable gift. Uh, by the the joint owner that becomes the sole owner uh, when that octogenarian passes away, if they execute the intentions of their parents, and that's so you know, we call it an account of convenience uh, in the business, and that's why people do it is uh, with the right motivations. But uh, there's other ways that you can achieve that, and uh, it's you know these pl- situations play out in housing. There's a lot of different complications that emerge from what's ul- ultimately a benevolent intention. Yeah. So, like, my for example, my mother was like, "Oh, I added you to my Wells Fargo account, and I have a brother." And so, my mother's intention is to you know to have her estate split fifty fifty. Um, and I said, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! You can't o- add me as a joint owner of your account because when something happens to you." Uh, that money becomes mine and there's nothing I can do about it. And then, you know, if your intent is for half of that money to go to my brother, then it's my money that I'm having to gift to him, not your money that I'm gifting to him. It's my money because I'm the joint owner. And so the intention was, in my mother's case, good, but in the logistical nature of how it works, it's not going to work. And and then we also see this where uh, a, a person might have four kids and they say, well, the executor of my estate is the oldest son, <laughs> for old-fashioned sake. And so I'm going to name him as my primary beneficiary, and then I'll tell him that he has to distribute it you know, in quarters. And so the problem is, guess what? All that money becomes his. And then in order for him to get his siblings their share, he has to then gift that amount to his. And if it's an IRA or whatever it might be, then there's a lot more complications because it's taxable as ordinary income to him. And so... Beneficiary designations have to be in the percentage that you want it to go to the people, not to one person, and then have them distribute it. Uh, and the same with a, a house titling or bank accounts or taxable accounts. You you can't have it all go to one person and then want that person to distribute it because that's not how it works. As soon as it goes to that person as named as the beneficiary, it is theirs. And then they'd have to distribute it, which causes them all sorts of other problems, and they might just not do it. That's the other problem. All right, if you want to be part of the show, call us, 877-670-7117, or go to our website, financialfocusradio.com, and send us an email. When we come back, we're going to tackle one last segment of email, so stick around. Get your free one-hour retirement review. Meet with the Northwest Quadrant Wealth Management Investment Advisor today for free. It's our offer to you as a listener to the show. Give us a call today to schedule your portfolio review. 800-743-0988. Again, Central Oregon, Trevor Devonport here, General Manager from Hertz Car Sales of Ben. Right now we have hundreds of vehicles in our Northwest inventory. Most are 2018 or newer. You're going to love the variety of quality cars, trucks, and SUVs, giving you the choices you just won't find anywhere else in Ben. Plus, take advantage of $0 down with no payments for 120 days. 
At Hertz Car Sales of Bend, we offer you the tools to do as much or as little of your car buying process online. It truly is your better way to buy a car. Start at HertzBend.com, find the vehicle you like, value your trade, apply for financing, configure your payment options, and schedule safe, sanitized, self-test drive. Remember, $0 down with no payments until 2022. No payments for 120 days through OCCU on all approved credit tiers. Interest accrues from the date of purchase. Membership required. Other exclusions, conditions, or restrictions may apply. See dealer for complete details. Offer expires 10-31-21. We're on Highway 20 at the base of Pilot Butte and always online at HertzBend.com. Hertz Car Sales of Bend, your better way to buy a car. Cozy Cat Lodge is the cat's meow. Brand new, quiet, comfortable boarding for cats only. Your cat can enjoy their own private space or the company of others in the Cozy Cat Lounge. Affordable and conveniently located between Bend and Redmond on 97. MyCozyCatLodge.com. About 100 years ago, Bend started up as a lumber town with mostly small wooden homes built to shelter the mill workers. Today, it's a bustling city of startups and established businesses with a tremendous variety of homes built to enjoy the outdoor lifestyle. For more than a half of that century, Duke Warner Realty has been here to help people buy and sell those homes. Family owned and operated since 1967, Duke Warner has a team of brokers who know the community and the market inside out. With many decades of expertise in the Central Oregon area, we're your friends and neighbors who believe that combining old-fashioned hard work with the newest technologies gives you the competitive edge. We'll walk you through the listings, the comps, the offers, the counteroffers, the inspections, the escrow, the clear closing we'll even walk you through the walkthrough until finally the celebration so if you're ready to move now or anytime in the next hundred years contact duke warner realty because when it comes to real estate you can't fake experience Home improvement projects have been on the rise, and the garage is usually left behind. Now it's time to turn your garage into a home office, home gym, or even home school. Locally owned and operated for over 16 years, let the pros handle it at Superior Garage Floors. Concrete coatings, color flake systems, and polished concrete giving your garage, man cave, or even an airplane hangar a finished and polished look. Superior Garage Floors, a name you can count on. Find out more at superiorgaragefloors.com. CCB number 173851. Struggling with CPAP? Now there's Inspire, the only FDA-approved obstructive sleep apnea treatment that works inside the body to treat the root cause of sleep apnea with just the click of a button. No mask, no hose, just sleep. Visit inspiresleep.com to learn more. My part-time service in the Army National Guard makes it possible for me to be more for the community I call home. I'm a better neighbor because my service has taught me how important it is to be a team player. My training helps me in my classes when I give attention to detail to the task at hand. My service in the Army National Guard allows me to keep my country safe from threats. Learn more about how you too can live and serve part-time by visiting NationalGuard.com. Sponsored by the Oregon Army National Guard. Aired by the Oregon Association of Broadcasters and this station. your free retirement review meet with a northwest quadrant investment advisor today for free it's our offer to you as a listener to the show give us a call today to schedule your portfolio review 800-743-0988 again 800-743-0988 welcome back to one last segment of financial focus thanks for joining us this weekend we're going to tackle some email questions but before we do that uh, Josh shared with me from, where's this from? Josh, I need a source, bro. This is uh, Advisor, F- Advisor Perspective. Advisor Perspective Magazine. Yeah. So this is, uh, so what this is, it shows the average retirement balance by state. Uh, and, shows, and I only have the top 10 uh, highest uh, average retirement balance by state uh, in the country. And guess what? Oregon isn't in there. So apparently we need to move our office to the Northeast. So the number one state with the average retirement balance is Connecticut. The average retirement balance in the state of Connecticut is 545,000. That state is the third highest ratio of millionaires, millionaire households per capita in the country. Almost 10% of their households are millionaires. Um, New Jersey's number two at 514,000 average count balance. Oh, both not surprising. My home state of New Hampshire, where there's no state income tax, is number three. Did that surprise you? Yeah. Well, yeah. no, because there's a lot of people that work in Boston and live in New Hampshire. Yeah. 
Um, and Boston is kind of a bit uh, of a tech hotbed uh, and biotech hotbed. And so a lot of them have their residency in the state of New Hampshire. And so well, that's kind of like a work from home issue between New Hampshire and Massachusetts. Now, all, right? all of and, and because there's no state income tax yeah. in the state of New Hampshire, it's an easy one. And quite frankly, the state of New Hampshire is nicer than Massachusetts. And so that's another reason uh, that people live there. But yeah, Oregon did not make the, the list. Alaska was number four when my wife is from. That makes sense, but there's not that many people there, and a lot of that has to do with how many people work for the state in the state of Alaska, and they have the most generous uh, retirement in the country. Oregon and South Dakota are number two. Uh, what it tells me, Mr. Finelli, is obviously we need to have a satellite office in New England uh, to take take advantage of some of those large retirement account balances. All right, let's kick off a financial free-for-all. All right, we got an email from a Paul in Sun River. Good old Sun River. The average mean and house price in Sun River on sales is crazy, like over 780000 Really? Yeah, it's crazy. Way higher than Ben's. Wow. I saw Ben retraced a bit from the all-time, was 640-ish. Good thing it was after but your... But 780 in Sun River? Yeah, cause they, but their number of sales is a lot fewer, so yeah, one, just... one sale can skew it quite a bit. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, hey, guys, love the show. I was at a party talking stocks. <laughs> that still happens. I was at a party. I know you do that. I don't go to parties. So I was at a party talking stocks with someone, and he kept talking about a stock we were talking about in split adjusted terms. I had no idea what he was talking about, and I was too proud to ask. I'm not laughing at you, Paul. That's just really cool. Uh, I thought if anyone knew what he was talking about, it would be you guys. Thanks in advance for your answer. So you split adjusted, Josh. What split adjusted mean? Well, that's just accounting for a split. So remember, two of the big splits last year. Uh, all right. At, well, talk about what a stock split are. Well, it can be a reverse split. Uh, but so, in this guy's case, it's stock split. So you know, you're just taking, changing the denominator, basically. Uh, you know, a lot of companies historically to make their shares more in, investable uh, for the retail investor. When the stock price would climb to, you know, certain heights, uh, they'd want to split it and bring it back. So once it reached five hundred bucks, you just do a five for one split, and get your five shares. And you, so economically, nothing has changed. Instead of you'd have five shares that are hundred dollars each, instead of one share that's five hundred dollars each. Yep. But the psyche, I, you know, the C-suite, I guess, thinks, oh, well, the retail investors aren't smart enough. They think that. The stock is too expensive if it's trading at 500 when it, economically it doesn't change any of the math. I mean, you know, you look at Berkshire Hathaway's A shares are over $300,000 a share um, because Buffett's never split the stock. And his reason is it, 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 it attracts more owners, people that think in terms of ownership rather than traders. And so a splitting a stock is, is literally just a way that I think executives think that it'll attract more well, ownership. One of the interesting things that emerged from the retail stock boom of the 2020s is that it showed, you know, there's d data demonstrates that retail investors piled into stocks oh, with lower dollar value it per share. It was worse in the nine, late 90s. In the belief that, you know, that single digit dollar stock, you're going to potentially make more money over time because... Uh, it costs less. <laughs> yeah, I mean, people are piling into Ford for that reason. It's still a crappy business. And, and so um, so what he's talking about is, and he, I, my guess is he was talking about Apple, because Apple was probably the most widely followed stock that split like two, three years ago now, yeah, I guess. I it was 19, I think, that, yeah, that split. Yeah, two years yeah. ago. So what that means is that in split-adjusted terms, meaning you know, this, if, if Apple has never, had never split its stock, it has more than once, the stock price would be much, much higher. Economically, nothing would be different with Apple's business or the size of its business. Um, he's just talking about my split-adjusted price. So, like, you know, some people, like Jeff Bezos' split-adjusted stock price for Amazon is probably in the pennies. They did a, uh, Apple did a four-for-one in July of yeah. 2020. So he's yeah. talking about his split-adjusted cost. For the stock, it just means after stock split, what his real cost is, um, and, and so that's <laughs> that's funny that you didn't ask him what stock split stock split adjusted. That's that's cute. Uh, we got an email from a Tim W here in Bend. This isn't you, Tim, is it? No, I know your last name isn't W, but you know, just maybe thought you had a you know. Anyways, uh, I hear the short term squeeze. I heard the term short squeeze all the time. 
when commentators talk about the Reddit message boards and the meme stocks, can you please explain what they're talking about when they say short squeeze? Well, a short squeeze is just, you know, so if you're going short a stock, um, you go out and borrow it and then sell it. And so if it starts to rip higher, uh, you want to buy it back uh, and avoid getting your face ripped off. And hence, uh, when that occurs, and a lot of people are doing it at the same time, you know, they're buying back those shares um, at the same time that there's uh, a bid under it. Um, It's called a squeeze because everyone's trying to do the same thing at the same time. And you generally will see pretty uh, significant upside in prices over (laughs) a short period of time. Did that clarify it for you or make it worse? (laughs) So what it means when when you sell a stock short, you're selling it in the market. And so you're, what you're trying to do is is buy the stock back at a lower price and you profit on the difference. But if the stock starts going up, your loss will be infinite if it keeps going up, right? Because you have to buy the stock back at some price. And so what happened with these meme stocks and all the message boards is, is they were going around finding a bunch of stocks that had lots of short interest, meaning there were lots of people short these stocks. And they were bidding them up, starting buying them. And then the people that were short got panicky and they said, Ooh, I don't want to lose any more money, thereby having to buy more of the stock. Didn't we say the same thing? No. I mean, I knew you said the same thing, but the people listening had no idea. Tim's eyes were glazed over, I could see. (laughs) Um, And so there, there, that's a short squeeze. All right, everybody have a great weekend. And remember, buy low and sell high. been listening to partners of Northwest Quadrant Wealth Management on the radio show, Financial Focus. Remember, you can email or call with your questions anytime during the week. Visit financialfocusradio.com for more information. See you next week on Financial Focus. Any opinions expressed herein are given in good faith and are subject to change without notice and are only correct at the stated date of issue. Past performance is not always indicative of future results. This material is not intended as an offer or solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security or other financial instrument. Securities, financial instruments, or strategies mentioned may not be suitable for all investors. Prices, values, or income from an investment mentioned in this report may fall against the interest of the investor and the investor may get back less than the amount invested. This material does not take into account your particular investment objectives, financial situation, or needs, and is not intended as a recommendation of particular securities, financial instruments, or strategies to you. Before acting on any recommendation on this material, you should consider whether it's suitable for your particular circumstance and, if necessary, seek professional advice.